Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Howdy. Welcome along to episode 50 of the Howie Games. Goes again. He goes to 50. They're on fire. Well played. Yep, we've reached a half century. Thanks to you all out there for helping us to get there. This is actually the last episode of Series 3. Series 4 is in the planning stages, although we don't have a release date as yet, so stay tuned. Okay, this week we feature a man who can destroy bowling attacks like few others, Aaron Finch. Finchy, as he's universally known, is one of the new generation of cricketers born into the T20 revolution. Oh, that's a big hit by Finchy. That's what the crowd have been waiting for. 15 rows back. Someone spilled their beer. Finchy doesn't care. In what's been a tough few weeks for Australian cricket, Aaron talks about what it's been like watching a couple of his good mates go through some very difficult times and his thoughts on the whole situation. We also chat about the somewhat strange life of a modern cricketer, what it's like to watch an IPL auction as your price goes up and up and up, winning a World Cup, batting with Tendulkar and the passing of one of Aaron's great mates, Philip Hughes, and plenty more. They could help out if they try, try, try. If they would try, try, try. They've got to try, try, try. Finchie is the definition of the term great bloke. He's humble, he's thoughtful, he's funny, and he's brilliant, absolutely brilliant with fans of all ages. Go to a BBL game. Kids, mine included, absolutely love Finchie. And he is seemingly unaffected by the somewhat crazy world in which he lives. And added to all that, Aaron Finch can smack the ball like few others. Enjoy. So when you search and then you find Know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I Come on children, try with me We want to reach Mount Zion Aaron Finch, the big man appearing on the Howie Games I'm really happy to have you on mate, how are you going? Very well, I'm a, a lot embarrassed actually to be on here when you've had some of the <laughs> the stars that you've had of, of Australian sport in the past. So, yeah, you don't need to be embarrassed. What I'm excited by is you're one of the first guests coming on the show that I know at times has listened to the show, and you've been very good on social media, um, pumping up Gilly and Watto and others. So it's nice to have someone listens to the show that's now on the show. Yeah, I, I just find them fascinating. I love listening to other sportsmen about their story, about their journey. I think regardless of what sport it is or where in the world you're playing <clears throat> excuse me um, each athlete goes through very similar things uh, being away for a long time and family and stuff so I mean, when you listen to them and I, and I was listening to Watto and how he started his career and you think back and you go yeah well that's that's pretty similar to how I did it and how he handled this and, and you can actually take a lot away from him It's amazing isn't it that uh, and we'll talk about what's been happening in Australian cricket it, it's amazing how the perspective from the inside is often so different from the perspective on the outside and us on the outside that aren't always completely informed see things completely differently to the people in the middle of it. Oh, exactly right. And I think when you are on the road for for a long time, uh, you miss your family. Like you go through stages where you're away for five months, I don't see my parents, I don't see my nieces and nephews, brothers and sisters. 
it can be difficult mm. and, and there's a lot of lonely times in hotel rooms that that you got you got time to just sit there and and I suppose start missing people more and, and start thinking about home and your best mate's wedding that you've missed and and other weddings that you've missed and just really exciting things in people's lives that that you miss um, but it doesn't last forever um, embrace it while you can and, and enjoy it it's a funny one though isn't it because you can't whinge about it I know like if I go away to do a cricket tournament in the West Indies it's like how good is this and it's fantastic and I, I love it but yeah. you can't you can't come back to people when they say how good was it you, it was brilliant but you know I miss my son's birthday or I miss my anniversary or my daughter was in the cross country and I didn't get to see it. you can't say any of that because people think well what are you whinging about like yeah. you've got the best job. Yeah. Well, you've probably got the second best job, to be honest. Well. But behind a, behind a cricketer. We get to travel the world and visit some amazing places, meet some phenomenal people. But like you said, everyone's still human. They, they still miss family and miss friends. And I mean, just waking up in the morning in your own bed and going down to your local cafe and... Mm. And for you, getting a hot chocolate, which I find extraordinary. You've never had a, had a coffee. Well, you that just texted me saying you want a coffee, and I said, embarrassingly, I've never had one. <laughs> it's not good. So how, how do you deal with it, Finchie, when you are somewhere on the other side of the world and you know that day you need to step up onto the international stage and you are missing home or you don't quite feel like you're attacking work, for want of a better term, at 100% that day, which we all go through? Yeah, and I, I suppose having, having a really strong network around you who understand what you're going through, understand the ups and downs of one, a professional athlete in a performance sense, because everyone has an opinion on, on sport, as we've seen recently. Mm. Um, people don't people don't get criticised for, for doing their job in a, in a bank or... No. Um, which is fine. And, and we open ourselves up to that and, and you expect it. And, you, and I've never complained about it at all, just because it's a part of the job. You grow up wanting to do it. Everyone has a choice. You, you can walk away if you want. Um, but I suppose everyone else in the team or the squad that you're with is going through that at, at different points as well. Um, I mean, where I was in England last year. I hadn't seen Amy for a while. Hadn't seen my parents for, for four or five months. And, and it was it was a real down patch. And I was playing for Surrey County Cricket at the time. And and I just did, really didn't want to leave the house. I was, I was just sitting there and, and just feeling really down and, and thinking to yourself, well... Why am I doing it? Could I just be at home in enjoying everyone's company? And mm. and then something clicks again, and you go, you know what? I'm a professional cricket. I'm living the dream. Um, so you make you make the most of what it is. You you pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get out there and and have a real crack and and try your best. It's interesting you say that because mental health has become such a big issue in life, and I think um, so many times it's athletes can can lead change and athletes I know I work with with Wayne Swash the former AFL footballer and he's been unbelievable in this space you're a, a man that from what I know hasn't suffered with any mental health problems but you mentioned sometimes it's hard to to get up and get out the door and you felt that situation you imagine it is for someone that that is predisposed to those issues mm. and I'm sure you've played with guys and we, we don't need to mention names but I'm sure you've played with guys that battle with that as well as having to go out and make runs or get wickets. Yeah, exactly right. And and like I said, everyone goes through it at different times. So there might be there might be a day when two or three of, of you are feeling the same, and and you got to get up and go to training and and improve. And one thing the buff has always said is if if you're not here to improve, just don't train. There'll be there'll be days when you feel like rubbish and you just don't want to do it. But then it's up to the boys around to go. Come on, mate. Mm. Let's just get through this. We'll go for a coffee after this. We'll, we'll go and have a beer later on, and and just 
just start to simplify it and, and enjoy. But like you said about guys who may have some mental health issues and, and it's becoming, I don't know what the, it's becoming accepted, I suppose, by the public to... It's a great word, mate. To, for people to feel feel like they can stand up and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going through something really difficult at the moment and, and people are starting to understand because we're seeing it more. I mean, going back to 80s, 90s, if a professional athlete stood up there and said, oh, I've got, I've got depression, everyone would say, mate, come on. Harden up. Harden up, get on with it. But I think now we're seeing the ramifications of, of that gone past where everything's just been suppressed. You're not allowed to talk about it. It's, it shows your weakness. Yeah. I think life has gone past that. Like the, 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 modern, the modern way that we do things is good, that we, that we are comfortable enough to stand up and, and admit if something not, if something's not right. And, and at times I think, I think it, it's harder to actually admit it than it is to deal with it. Um, well, not deal with it because I've, I've never been through it myself, so that's a wrong thing to say. But it's harder to, to actually admit to the public that you've got an issue yeah. than it is to, to keep suppressing it and, and then it all, all volcanoes, doesn't it? So who's the one bloke in, in your cricket career that when, um, you know, you wake up and you don't feel 100% ready to go, who's the one bloke you ring that will put a smile on your face or who's in the dressing room that you're like, I'm going to go and talk to this bloke because he'll get me ready to roll? Well, Andrew McDonald's been a huge influence on my career is, is one of my closest mates and just turns out that he's a Victorian coach these days. So <laughs> Nice, works well. Yeah. Um, but he's someone who who I grew up learning the game from as well when I first started in the Victorian side along with Hodgie. Um, spent a lot of time together just talking about cricket, talking about life and I know that he's someone that if, if I'm having doubts about playing, if I'm having doubts about my own personal game or, or life, give him a call and and he puts everything in, into perspective. He he really simplifies things down and, and just gets to the root of problems bloody quick, which yeah. is which is um, a really good skill and a really good quality to have. And I mean, he's he's been through his ups and downs as a as a professional cricketer, living on the road. Um, he went and coached overseas. So to have people who have been through it themselves and have dealt with it themselves are, are often the the ones who are best place to deal with it because it, they can they can draw on their own experiences it's hard to to tell someone how to deal with something if you don't or if you haven't been through it yourself absolutely so oh, he, he's one guy that i ring my, my old man my mum just people who you know and trust talking along about with amy obviously that, that that's a given who you're about to get married to so are you it is now easter friday um we had a few plans as to what the next episode was but it may well be you next thursday when are you getting married Next Saturday. Next Saturday. Well, congratulations. Yes, we'll, thank you. We will talk about Amy in a minute, and then you're straight off to the IPL, and that, that is the modern cricketer. So you get yep. married on Saturday, and when do you go to the IPL? Uh, midday Monday. <laughs> so I missed one game there. Uh, a very, very understanding fiancé and soon-to-be wife. Um, Happy honeymoon. Yeah. She's she's not going to come over straight away. She, she'll come over in a couple of weeks. It's funny. I, uh, I look back at it now. I got married in a surprise wedding uh, at... Uh, my partner at the time, Erica's 40th, um, between two games in the Big Bash. So it was on the... Uh, Thanks, love. See you later. I've got to go comment. Well, my, my first night of my honeymoon was at Etihad with Gilly and Punter. My second night was at the Gabba with Flem, and my third night of the honeymoon was at Spotless Stadium, yeah. which is ridiculous, but that's yeah, the is. world in which, in which we're living. Um, mate, you talked about your dad, um, and obviously it has been an extraordinary week in Australian life this week, not just sport or cricket. Um, I watched Steve Smith's press conference yesterday um, 
and to see his dad there, that's what got me quite mm. upset, to see him turn and his dad put his hand on his shoulder and I thought, geez, what a bloody good dad he is. Yeah. Um, it's, as you know, this show's not about headlines and I don't want to put you in that position, but how have you seen what has happened in this last week? Because these are some of your good mates. Yeah, exactly, and, and they're very good people. Um, I've known Davey for... 15 or 16 years and being very good friends with him and Smithy having played with him and, and against him for the best part of 10 years now uh, got to know him really well Amy's really close with Danny his fiance um, it's been really difficult to watch obviously they've all taken responsibility for, for what happened and, and that's a huge thing to be able to stand up in, in front of <sighs> the world media not just not just Australian media the world media and say yes what we did was wrong but Please forgive us off, but they are great people, all, all three of them. I don't know Bancroft uh, overly well, just played against him a little bit, but haven't had a lot to do. But it's, it's just been really difficult to watch from a friend of theirs um, and just a, a lover of cricket. They, they made a poor judgment call. There's no doubt about that. And and if they could take them 15 minutes back, um, no doubt they would. But I don't think that they should be hung, drawn and quartered um, for one mistake that they've made on the cricket field. It's it's a crazy cycle in Australia, the media cycle now, Finchie, and, and you would understand as well as I do. For some reason, we love to be outraged now. We love to be outraged. And, and what they did was outrageous. I understand that. But we love to be outraged. And then the people love to comment yeah. and they love to get stuck yeah. in and go over the top. You know, yeah. Obviously, those players did the wrong thing, but watching Steve walk through the airport, it was like he was being treated like a murderer. That, that, was, that was horrific. So, And it goes from our outrage, and eventually it comes around to we get their true feelings and we watch him in a press conference and people start to feel sorry for them, and then he'll walk out to bat, hopefully to resume his career in a year's time, and hopefully he goes well, and people will be cheering and saying, well, what a great redemption story. But yeah. that's the cycle, but... Yeah. The individual bits of the cycle can be really, really tough. Absolutely, and I think you hit the nail on the head. We love, we we do have a bit of a tall poppy syndrome in Australia. We we love to not be a, a massive tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, we love to cut down guys at the top. Yep. But what I'm hoping does come out of this is is the public, uh, the media, cricket Australia, the players, everyone involved, who's had an opinion, um, who's watched this unfold, can be a part of the rehabilitation for what a better word um, and get these guys back not just to be playing cricket for Australia but be back in the public eye and and be able to I suppose be role models again for kids and, and make sure that when they when they do resume their careers and, and I, I desperately hope that all three all three do I mean Bancroft's 26 Steve 28 Davey 31 um, I don't think it's un Unrealistic for all of them to be playing cricket for Australia again, and, and I and I really hope that they do. And one thing we are very good at in Australia, though, is is seeing the good in people at the yep. end of the day. Um, so th- there's been, like you talked about, there's been all the outrage, and I think with the modern social media, <laughs> people people only get noticed if their if their comments are more outrageous than the person before. But if you've got fifty thousand people all commenting at once. How do I make a headline? I've got to be over the top outrageous. Um, so I, I think, like I said, what what they did was um, was wrong. But let's help them get back on on the right track and and make sure that we're doing everything that we can to help rehabilitate um, 
help them help them get back to to where the public want them to be. Were you surprised that they would? You've captained teams. Were you surprised that it could get to that point? That there could be a discussion, and we're not walking in their shoes, but from the outside, it seems like a mighty dangerous big step to take to think right we're going to go out on the ground and we're actually going to do this yeah well that's and that that was that's what's disappointing about um about a lot of it obviously but i mean i don't know what unfolded for for him to get to that decision and and i mean it's unfortunate Mm. and, and it's disappointing and and they've showed their disappointment they've showed their remorse um but they still did it at the end of the day. So, so we they understand that they have to be punished to some degree. Other other bands appropriate. That's not really up to me to decide. No. Um, but I, I don't know how that how it unfolded. Um, and I've heard a lot of comments about whatever happens in the dressing room. It surely everyone knows that is. I don't believe that that's true one bit. I mean, they say, well, the Cape Town dressing room is a very small place. Yes, it is, but there's also two separate dressing rooms. So if you if you picture the dressing rooms, there's a small one that's quite divided. It's quite there's little corners and um, and generally the batters the batters are in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a little little doorway, and then there's a similar setup in the other room where the coaches will be, the bowlers will be, and depending on who the wicketkeeper is, they'll just float between depend between the the dressing rooms. Paney, I think, would be in the um, bowlers part of it. Matty Wade was always with the batters. Um, so it's a small dressing room, but it's also very separate. Um, so I don't believe them comments about, mm. oh, it's a small change room, everyone has to know. Um, but, yeah. Hey, you mentioned Tim Payne. Um, yep. and the, the, what a week for him. Uh, well, the, the general cricket fan, um, and I, I've count myself really blessed, and the boys always joke about who you go for in the Big Bash, and they always say I go for the Hurricanes, and that's simply because um, Rick, Ponting took me a few times into the Hurricanes dressing rooms in the first year and Damien Wright was there and Simon Helmet was there. Um, and, and Tim Payne, for all the negatives that have come out of that, you've played cricket and I don't know what he's like to play cricket against because I hear him in the stump mic and I know he can be pretty chirpy, but as a fella... He's a keeper, they yeah, all Yeah, they are. Yeah. As a fella, like going down there, I was... I was saying to Rick, oh, I'm not sure I feel comfortable going. He said, no, no, you'd be right. And Tim Payne was the first one, came over, introduced himself. Mate, do you want a beer? I couldn't be happier in tough circumstances that not only is he getting the opportunity to now play Test cricket when he couldn't get a run for Tasmania Finch a year mm. ago, he's the captain of Australia. Yeah. It's extraordinary. It's, it's extraordinary. Um, great man. Yeah. I've had the pleasure of knowing him for 13 years now, but my first ever time to the Cricket Academy when I was 18 might have just been 19. Um, Tim was one of the one of the players there as well, and we lived out at Mount Gravatt in these little dorms. Um, you travel 45 minutes to training at 7 o'clock every morning and you get home at 6 and you enjoy a beer together, uh, you eat together, you, you're sleeping in um, pretty close proximity, single room dorms, but like four rooms, you, you can hear everything that's going on and it's, it's just a great guy and someone who six months ago yeah. Was had taken a job at Kookaburra um, to sell cricket bats to sell cricket bats and look <laughs> after look after all the sponsored players and it was extraordinary to, to think. Well, I was I was quite surprised when I saw that or when I, when I heard that Payne had accepted the job because I thought he he's still got a bit to give. He's still playing big bash. He's playing well. Yes, Matty Wade's gone back down to Tassie and um, he was a current keeper at the time for Australia, so he would slot in there. I thought he had a real lot to give to the. 
uh, youngsters in particular around the group. Mm. And as it turns out, he's now Australian captain. Unbelievable. And good luck to him. And by the time Absolutely. this podcast goes to air, he will have captain a test outright for Australia. Um, just before we get into you and, and, and where it all started, you mentioned social media, and this is an interesting discussion. How do you approach social media? Because you're really good on it, and you always send it out there. And I, you know, I, I love it when you get messages from Indian guys, and they say, Hi, Finch, um, my birthday give me best wishes or something like that. And you do. You send it back out there, yeah. um, which is great. How do you deal with it when you're going through a rough patch and how bad does it get? Uh, for me, it's not as bad as some other players. I've always – I've never really put myself out there in the media to really be opened up the other way. It's mm-hmm. um, a good point. I've always been pretty reserved with my comments, with my – I think that I'm – with my private – private um, life and things like that. I've, I've never been someone to, to make headline statements or make big comments on, on anything. So I actually get a lot of support when things aren't going well. That's good. Um, which, is, which is nice. Uh, but then you, you get the opportunity to scroll through Maxie's, Glenn Maxwell's um, feed after he's doing well. And there's some horrific things that people are saying. And, and, and that's when he's going well. That's when he's going well. And when they're going poorly, um, it's, it's shocking just to to witness it and to think that somebody's actually sitting there writing that. Um, it's, it's pretty awful at times. But for me personally, I've always had really good support. Um, and like I said, I think that's just by not putting myself out there enough to, to be chopped down a hell of a lot. There's someone speaking in a mic here in the back of Triple M. I don't know what's going on. We, we just, where's that fucking pin? You just pull that sucker out if we can. There we go. We'll get rid of that. Tear the whole building down here. Yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm no technical guru. <laughs> hey, um, all right. So, um, you grew up in country Victoria. Mm-hmm. We've got through some pretty heavy stuff here already. Well, you grew up in country Victoria. Tell me about your mum and dad and where you did grow up. Grew up first five years in Colac. Right. Um, Small country town, 16,000 people. Mum and dad, two older brothers. Uh, I was the youngest. Then, then we moved miles out of town, 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was about seven or eight K. So um, it was it was an amazing upbringing. Moved to a bit of land, uh, had the cricket pitch roller. Um, didn't understand that clay, once it dries out, it starts breaking up and going all, all different shapes and sizes. And... Um, well, so you had like the subcontinental pitch a couple of days in when it baked in the sun. Uh, yeah, but it also becomes so wavy. And my brother was a, a good bowler. Uh, it, was, it was dangerous. <laughs> right. uh, but very normal upbringing, I'd say. And then after nine years, I was the youngest for nine years. Um, then the old man slipped one through to the keeper and, and a little sister on the way. So <laughs> that, 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 changed, that changed a lot for our family because she was um, obviously nine years later, we'd all, we'd all started to... To grow up, and mm. and there's three years between all my brother, my brother. So three, then three, then three, then a nine year gap. Mm. So so a big gap. So that was a big change for us because we. I just love playing footy and cricket. That, that's all I wanted to do always, and and a bit of eating too um, <laughs> in, in there. But um, I'd say a pretty normal upbringing. Um, what were you like at school? Uh, not very good. Because you wanted to play cricket and footy. Uh Partly, I just wanted to play sport. I, I, I didn't, I didn't put much time and effort into school. Um, which, looking back, I think the lessons that you learn 
when you're not at school, when you have to fend for yourself. When I moved to Melbourne when I was 18, um, on $200 a week, um, but we we used to get paid monthly, or we still do get paid monthly. Oh, no. So you get, you get 800 bucks on the 15th of the month. If that happens to be a Friday, <laughs> I could be scunned by, by a Sunday night <laughs> after a couple of nights out as a youngster. And um, it probably teaches you a lot of lessons that they don't teach you at school. Uh, while I wasn't very book smart, I didn't put time and effort in. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't bad at school, but I was just, I was just a bit disruptive. Um, I just, Aaron needs to pay more attention in class. Every report card from every teacher <laughs> I've ever had. When Aaron gets distracted, he tends to tends to take others with him and, and distract <laughs> others. So um, I, I was that kid that that I got along well with with most people. Um, Stayed out of trouble most of the time, um, but yeah, but just didn't didn't really want to be at school. I, I just wanted to be, just wanted to be playing sport. And what was it about cricket that that grabbed you? My first memory of playing cricket was with my pop in their backyard, and they used to have this little bungalow that by the, by the time we were allowed to play with hard balls, like there was gnomes with heads knocked off around the <laughs> around the backyard. There was there was patch holes in the. Um, in the bungalow, there was broken windows, and and I, I don't know what what drew me to love it so much. I, I think just the game in general is is an, it's an amazing game. It's it some, something that we're seeing now through the Big Bash with the amount of fans that are that are coming in for the first time, particularly young kids, young girls, young uh, and and females in general that are that are coming to the cricket now. It's, it's extraordinary, and, and I think that's people are starting to love the game. For what it is, and I think just just playing it with my brother from from a young age, like from from when I can remember, we'd always be playing cricket in the summer, footy in the winter, snagging goals over our shoulder. Um, Who was your footy hero? Oh, the great Gazza. Right, so you're a Geelong man. Yeah, I'm a Geelong right. man. Right. Used to used to catch the train from Colac, sit in the the train used to get in at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, and the next one didn't get in until two thirty. So we always had to get the early one. My my auntie and I, she used to take me down to the Geelong home games. We'd take their little fold out fishing chair, sit in yep. the outer. Uh, used to go and watch the reserves. Uh, I was I was just I just loved it. I loved all sport, um, but country towns generally revolve around cricket and footy. Um, netball for the girls, footy clubs and netball clubs are obviously associated. So it was it was just love of sport, just a- getting so out there. I grew up in a country town as well. So how big were your dreams? We'll get to your cricket at that moment. As a footy player and a cricketer, did you want to be playing, which sounds funny, but did you want to be playing for Colac, for your local side in the local competition, or did you want to be playing for Victoria or Geelong or Australia or were you thinking worldwide? Because country kids often grow up and thinking you know, they go and watch Taralgon, they want to be the full four for Taralgon. Yeah, and, and that's... I can't remember who I was telling recently, but I was, I was speaking to some some young kids from the country recently, some young cricketers. I said the, the biggest thing that changed for me was when I, I played in like the Victorian under-12s team and there was only two or three of us from the country in that side and you see these other kids and you're like, they're so much better than me. Huh. Like, you're 11 years old. And I used to go and watch Geelong Cricket Club play and Clinton Peake and, yeah. and Jace Backer and Ben Oliver, these guys were were in and around the state side at the time and it's like, these guys are like my idol to, to grow up and watch. Obviously, you, have, you had Mark War and Dean Jones and these guys on, on TV but it's like, Imagine getting to play with these guys one day. I was only an hour down the road in Colac, but it's just a mind shift changed that because you're from the country, you think that the city and 
they're automatically better for some reason. Mm. Um, I'm just a small, small country kid. Um, well, I wasn't small; I was quite rotund. <laughs> um, but I'm just a country kid from a small town, and, and there's no way that I can compete with these guys. And it's not until you start playing some representative games and you and you do well, and and you turns out that you're actually not a bad player, that you start to believe that it's that it's achievable. Even my first year, year or so in the state side, in the as a rookie. Um, was never on the radar to play. Didn't play. Played a few second eleven games and things like that. But it was, it was all, always. Am I good enough? Am I good enough to to be a professional at this? And there's time. I think it was my third year as a rookie. I'm I'm thinking this could be my last year of of having a crack at being a professional cricketer, mm. um, which is quite a mindset change. Mindset, mindset change. Um, but it's. It's worked out okay. It has worked out okay. Before we get to, to you getting older, were you one of those kids growing up in your area that everyone would say, oh, no, we're playing Finchie's team this weekend, he's going to make a 1,000 or not? Uh, probably. Right. So I'll, did, did I'll, you do make a lot of runs? Uh, well, we had to retire at 50 in under-17s. Right. Uh, we had to retire at 25 in under-14s and, and things like that, and it wasn't until we played... So how many 25 not-outs would you be making? Enough every, every game. Yeah, most games I'd say under seventeens. I, I started playing that when I was about eleven. My brother was under seventeens. You were eleven. Yeah, my brother was playing. I used to hide my kit bag, hide a bat and some whites in the back of Dad's car under a. He used to have this horrible, ugly rug in the back of his car for some reason. <laughs> I used to hide my stuff under that because I didn't want my brother to. He would always say, "You're not playing with me." Like we'd play in the backyard for hours, but no, you're not playing. You're not playing with me. And I'd always put my kit in the back. I'd be like, right, today's the day. There's only going to be ten, and I'll get a go. And I'd field it fine leg, and I wouldn't get a bowl, I wouldn't get a bat, but so I just loved it. Um, I'd go and watch the local C grade, Colac West Cricket Club C grade. Mm. Same thing. Jeez, they might ask me to field today, and I and I, I used to just love it. What was your? Uh, this is not a time for modesty, Finchie. What was the? A most amazing thing you ever did as a junior cricketer, playing junior cricket at hard if you have to retire, or playing up age groups, or playing with the men as a young bloke. What was the, your defining moment? Uh, it was a national carnival in Bendigo. Bendigo yeah, Bendigo. Uh, it was my second year. I played the year before as a bottom age player in the for under Vic- fi- for Victoria. For Victoria in the under, under fifteen. Yeah. Comp, and then the following year I captained that side, and I think I went fifty not out. 50 in a rain-affected game, 122 not out in a game against New South Wales that had Moses Henriques, Davey Warner, Usman Khawaja, Tom Cooper. And Moses, back then, he was the fastest bowler I'd ever faced. Like, he, he was about as big as he is now. Uh-huh. Um, and he bowled probably as quick as he does now. And, um, and then I think I got 50 in the semi-final, 70 in the final to win. Um, and I think then you go, well, geez, I'm actually not a bad player, really. I'm playing against the best other kids my age in, in the country and, and I've done pretty well. More of Finchie in a moment. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this is the last episode of this series of the Howie Games, but our sporting documentary podcast, The Moment, is soon to release episode four, The Moment, The Fight, taking you behind the scenes of Jeff Horn's last world title bout. This is boxing like you have never heard it before. It's raw, emotional, beautiful and brutal. Well, the room's now cleared. Just Jeff and his team and a camera. Glenn's got the pads. Jeez, he looks mean. He looks focused. 
want to show the class and the skill tonight and just show you're a better boxer, tougher, and send a message out to Crawford and all the others in the division that the Hornet's coming. Talking's done. It's time to fight. Featuring some of the biggest names in the fight game, the moment the fight takes you behind the scenes to show you what really happens at a world title bout. It'll be released Thursday, April 12. Keep an eye out for it. Okay, back to Finchy. So when you come to Melbourne from Colac as a, well, how old you say you were? 18, straight out of school. I got my first rookie contract the following year. So where'd you live? Like, how'd you roll it out? Uh, I lived in, lived in Hawthorne, which is a great spot. Unfortunately, it was about a two-minute walk from the G-Bung. <laughs> the G-Bung Polo Club. What a, what a pub. <laughs> um, and I, I lived in a share house with, with four other, <laughs> the three other people to start with. There was... Alan Wise, who was in the Victorian squad at the time, he said, oh, a couple of my mates who play for Richmond, uh, they're looking for someone to, to move in. They've got a spare room. So I went and moved in there. It was 80 bucks a week. Out of my, that was out of my 200. For the month? Eight, 800 for the month. Right. So 200 a week, 80 on rent, probably another 80 at the G-Bone <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. Um, uh, but it was, it was great fun looking back. I mean, you have such a great time. You first played... T20 for Australia? Yeah. What's it like playing cricket for Australia? It's amazing. Um, Is it? It's hard to describe um, because you you live your professional life grow, or you're growing up, all you want to do is play for Australia. But like we talked about before, as a young kid growing up from from the country, these people are way beyond what you can do because they're, they're city guys, they're, they're the Australian cricket team. So to be able to get the opportunity to do it Adelaide Oval it was in a T20 against England it was pretty surreal I remember being incredibly nervous just so nervous I could I could barely I walked out to bat went to Mark Center and I was shaking just I've, I've walked out to bat a thousand times in my career but this was the first time for Australia and that's something that I don't really get a hell of a lot I don't get nervous as as such anymore I probably just a bit more from the expectation of making runs not not so much the situation of playing for Australia because um, you just want to perform well and you want to do your job as best you can but to walk out on Adelaide Oval with an Australian cap on was was pretty special um, and to be at, to have been able to do it I think 120 something times now it's unbelievable and you, you do pinch yourself and there is times when you like we talked about earlier when you're sitting sitting by yourself in a hotel room in London or in Mumbai or something and you're, you're going I'm, I just want to go home, I just want to be at home with my family, with, with Amy and sit on the couch with my dogs and, and stuff like that and you go, you know what, you're playing cricket for Australia, you, you're, you're living the dream get on with it or, or just have a think who, how many people would love to be in your position and, and that is kind of the stuff that, that gets you up and to be able to do it is, is pretty special Where'd you meet Amy? Uh, through a mutual friend, she used to work here at Triple M I do. Uh, am aware of that fact. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Ben Amafio moved from Triple M here. From Triple M to Cricket Australia. Gave uh, him a job at Triple M, Benny Amafio. Did, did he? Yeah. Let's hope he does the right thing with the cricket rides now. But that's yeah, a whole well, he, story. Um, he he was Amy's boss. Right. Not maybe not directly boss, but he, she, he was in charge of of the part that she worked in and. Um, yeah, I met her. I'd, I'd met her once in here, something, and then, yeah. What was it about Amy? 
Uh, well, we've, we've been going through writing our wedding vows and, and meetings with the um, with the celebrant, and she mm. asked me the same thing. And and I hope you came up with a pretty quick answer. The quick answer straight away. She's obviously beautiful. I'm very attracted to her, obviously. Mm. But one thing that really attracted me to her was her brutal honesty. <laughs> She's you, there's no wondering where you stand with her. You know, you know straight away. She she wears a heart on her sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, brutally honest about everything. Um, has an opinion on cricket too, which is at times has its challenges when I don't agree with it. Um, no, but she's she's just a great woman. Will she review your performance? Uh, there's times when you get home. I'll always get a text off her if we're playing a shield game or something, and. Forget out. There will always be a text saying "bad luck next time." Um, it's not. Why did you give you? No, right. No, it's <laughs> locked. It's just one hundred percent support. Right. But then there'll, there'll be days when if she's on tour, you get back to the hotel room and you, she goes, "Geez, that wasn't very good today, was it?" Said, no, no, it wasn't. Um, no, but there's never any, never any question of, um, well, oh, what's the word? I've, like, there's never no. There's never any criticism. Oh no, no, no criticism. There's just a little bit of friendly banter here and there. That mate, there's some specific cricket. And I never write notes, but I actually wrote a few notes. There's a couple of specific cricket things for all the cricket fans out there that I want to ask you about. You own the highest score ever in a T20 international, 156 off 63 balls with 14 sixes against the Poms. Is that a day when I watched the highlights last night? Oh, goes again. Someone in the crowd catch it. Oh, that one's gone down as well, but it brings up the 150. 151 off just 60 balls for Aaron Finch. Quite extraordinary. Athletes talk about being in the zone. Do you experience something like that on a day like that? Like, if you'd said to someone, I remember when McCullum played that first innings in the IPL, and it was just like, yeah. how can he made that many runs off that many balls? Yep. This has become more standard now. But yep. if you said to someone, "There's a bloke going to play an international game, make 156 runs off 63 balls," if you said that 10 years ago, that's, just, that's mind blowing. Yeah. Do some days it just work? Yeah, that's the that's the honest answer. It's, I walked out to bat that day. I wasn't under pressure for my spot. I think Buff had just taken over in the with the Ashes. This was on the back of an Ashes series, and Buff had just taken over, and mm. um, I I played well against Queensland for Victoria one day. I uh, got 156 as well, I think maybe 154 in a one day game, and played really well. And and he come up and he said, "Mate, that that innings you played at the Gabba was was brilliant. Just go out today and have some fun and, and enjoy it. You're playing for Australia. You got the best job in the world. There's 30,000 people here. Just entertain." And that that was a message to the group. Um, and and then me as well. I just said, just have fun. If you feel like smacking it, just smack it. Don't don't think about the consequences. T Twenty is a game of fun and and it's fast paced. Just go out and flog it. And I remember walking out and Stephen Finn was running in. Maybe the fourth ball of the first over. And for some reason, I just knew where it was going to be. And I, and I I wasn't I was never a guy who pulled the ball early. And I picked this one up off a of length six first ball and. And then, so I wasn't really nervous going into that innings. But then after that six, I remember as he's running into bowl again, my heart is racing. I can still remember the feeling. I'm thinking, shit, I've got to, how do I keep up with this? Like, if I get out now, if I hit one straight up the chimney, that's a bit stupid. And then he bowled me the exact same ball and I just blocked it back 
and he walked past me. He goes, "That's the same ball, mate." I said, "I know." And I, that was a ball that I just actually wasn't really concentrating because I was thinking about something else altogether. And then from then on, it was just a day that things went my way. Um, it was honestly a day when I can I remember being out in the middle and thinking, "I know where he's bowling this." Hmm. If I moved around the crest, they actually they bowled it exactly where. I thought they were going to and there was no second guessing yourself I think at times you have that instinct and you go right I know I know what plan he's going with here I know where he's bowling it and then when he's halfway in his run up you go but what if he doesn't and then you then there's just that five percent of doubt before you know it you're walking back um but this day everything was just really clear and everything was seemed to be in slow motion almost um it was just a day out and like you said it just the, the zone of of what people call it um nobody knows what it is and I don't know what it is, but I know the feeling that that was, and it was it was a pretty special feeling, and and something that something I can still remember how I was how I was feeling that day. I still remember how like I was feeling standing over the bat, which is it's actually the first time I thought about it for a while about about the actual emotional side of it um, and the mental side of it. But just an absolute day out, hit the ball in the middle. Any time I felt like I could smack one, I did. What do you think of the statement? Aaron Finch will never play Test cricket for Australia because he's no good against the Red Bull. Well, I've heard it for a long time. So, yeah. um, and I think but not not always from educated positions either. I no, think. and that's fine. I mean, like we talked about earlier, everyone's got their opinion uh, and they're entitled to it. And I, I suppose there was a period there for probably eighteen months, two years that 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 was justified. Um, I started off really well in Shield cricket when I first came in. I was twenty four. 23 maybe um, got a few runs and then for some reason just out of the blue I just started getting LBW every innings they bowled at the stumps I kicked it Mm. Um, (laughs) and and it was and the harder I worked at getting that right the worse it got I was trying so hard I was practicing so hard and practicing so well that I think I was actually putting too much time and effort into into that so I'd get out into the middle, but I would have already batted for 40 minutes the morning of the game and spent so much mental energy worrying about not getting LBW. By the time you get out there, you've already worked yourself into a state. So that that 24 months, 18 months was probably justified and, and my record suffered a lot through that period and, and probably supported everyone's opinion that um, that if I... I can't play the red ball. My defence isn't good enough, and and that's fine. Um, but I think the last three years, I've averaged around forty-eight in Australia, in England, um, county cricket, where you get some difficult wickets. The ball swings a lot. Um, so, what would it mean to you to play a Test match for Australia? Oh, it'd be huge, and and that's why, that's why you still train as hard as well as hard as I do. Um, the one day in the T Twenty side of the game has always come easier. Being an attacking player. The ball doesn't tend to swing as much. Pretty good wickets, to be fair. Mm. Um, I'm not saying the game's easy. I'm not 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 for one second. But it's that that format of the game, them formats of the game, have have always come a bit more naturally. Four day cricket. I've found I've I've come to the realization that you, everyone gets out, regardless if it's a duck or if it's two hundred. Everyone gets out eventually in the game of cricket. So embrace that. Don't don't be content with getting out, but my mindset probably changed the most when it was, an, it was another conversation with Andrew McDonald and he said, he said, you know, if you get caught at first slip or you get caught at mid-off, you're still out. <laughs> and it, it, it sort of took me back because it was the first time that I'd heard a coach not be worried about an outcome. He said, 
you're bowled or you caught a fine leg hooking first ball, you're still out. So why be worried about the dismissal? So just take that out of your game. And it's still hard not to worry about getting out because that's, that's a fear of every batsman. Mm. And I suppose taking that on gave me the confidence to be able to play freely, uh, having Michael Divinuto at... Um, with the Australian team, he was he was unbelievable for me, and you hear the other players um, talk about him, unbelievable. And he's now he's now the coach of Surrey, so having worked with him for a couple of years again, his messages were pretty similar. So if I wanted, to, if I felt like I could walk out and take a guy on first up, and I had to hit it over the top, go for it. That, that's the strongest part of your game. Do it. If you get out trying to defend and and you nick one off. You'll be kicking yourself walking off going, you know what, if I'd have put some more pressure on him. So I think it was just it was just a realisation that that you, you're, you can get out. Everyone can get out. doesn't matter if it's if it's bold or LB or what it is or how bad it looks. Be true to your game. And I think for a while there I was, I was so concerned about playing the way that others, I thought that others thought that I should play or how you see others play who are playing test cricket and you're like, geez, he's got a beautiful defence that wasn't my game and I probably went away from that but getting back to being true to how I play and there's times when you look like a fool I got caught the first Shield game of this year I got caught mid on trying to pull first ball uh, in the second innings after getting caught pulling in the second dig for uh, in the first dig for for a handful maybe 30 or 40 on a on a difficult wicket and but I, w- I walked in the the sheds and the, the coach walks up he goes you got any answers to that? I said, no, nah, I don't. He goes, didn't think so. <laughs> Walks off and then, then you debrief it later on and, and went through my mental process and probably just wasn't switched on. I was thinking about the ball swinging at the time from Michael Nessa, who's a very handy bowler. And I was worried about getting LB again. So that, that, that had crept back in for no particular reason. So before you know it, you're not concentrating, you're out. And in a, in a stupid dismissal. You think you're, you're the first... Which really interests me. You're the first generation of cricketer that can be independently wealthy and not play test cricket for Australia um, due to the T20 situation. The IPL, and this is public knowledge, mate, 2011, Delhi picked up 300,000 US. The Sunrise for 640,000 US in 2014. Uh, Hodgie, 16, 17 to Gujarat, 150 after you come back from injury. This year, you're about to go to the IPL, um, reported at 1.2 million Australian dollars. Yeah. Does that blow your mind? It does. Yeah. yeah. There was a season for Mumbai in there as well that was... A season for Mumbai where you were injured and cost you $530,000 for a hamstring injury, according yeah. to my information. Yeah, somewhere around that, Mark. Right. Uh, Did it blow your mind that you're about to go... Yep. Fingers crossed and earn $1.2 million and um, I think you're worth every cent of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not coming to this from a negative point of view. I think it's bloody fantastic. The athletes, you're the best at what you do. You should get paid well. Does it blow your mind? 100%. Um, the phrase that people throw around is, oh, I'd, I'd love to play cricket for Australia for free. I'd, I'd give anything. I'd go and play IPL for free. Mm. The, them days are gone. And, 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 as they should be. And... Yes, I'd respect and acknowledge playing for Australia is the greatest job in the world. And we get paid well, no doubt about that. But sitting on the couch, watching a live stream 
through a downloaded VPN, through a link that I got off some guy on Twitter that he sent through to me. That's this year's auction? This year's auction. Well, all the auctions. Right. The, tell me tell me about this year's auction. This year's auction, I was sitting on the couch. I, was, I had a beer because I was, I was so nervous. The auction was meant to start at four o'clock and I, was, I think I was the 12th or 14th player to come out. What was the figure in your mind? Uh, you're I've, thinking, if I get this, happy days. I thought around five fifty, six hundred. I thought that would that'd be. My point two's looking all right. Yeah, and I, I thought it'd be that that'd be around the mark. I'd had a really good last two. I, but I remember I was sitting on the couch. Auction was starting at four. I thought oh, I might be at it by four forty-five. So I got to, I got to a quarter to five. Amy had been to the gym. She goes, I can't watch this. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to the gym about when it starts. So hopefully I'll, I'm turning my phone off. Hopefully when it comes, I'll come back. You've you've been sold. She got back at about 4.45 and I, she goes, have you been out yet? I said, no, nah, it's literally just starting now. She's like, oh, no. I said, what are you going to do? She doesn't, do, she doesn't like doing the garden, so she didn't go out in the garden. She goes, well, I know you're not going to be out for about half an hour, so I'll sit here and watch the first half. And the, f- the first few went ballistic as well, which then makes you nervous because you go, oh, there's, n- there's no money left. There's no money left. I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to get picked up. And I was always confident of getting picked up, to be honest. Um, there was a bit of interest there from Hodgie, from, from Kings Eleven, which I've ended up at. Um, he was in hospital live streaming it. Appendix. With a with an appendix out, uh, then a virus from, from whatever happened. So I'm sitting there and Amy's going, well, I'm going to have a shower. I said, okay. So she's in the shower. She got out of the shower. She goes, have you been out yet? Said no, there's literally Maxie had just come up, and his auction went forever. He just kept going and going and going, and she goes, right, well, what else can I do? I said I don't know, just let's sit down and watch it. I had another beer because I was I was just so nervous. It was a we didn't have a game for a while. I was like, she she started to make me really nervous, and then I'm I'm sitting there watching it, and in the end she just goes, right, I've got to go and have another shower. <laughs> I said, just sit there, sit down and watch it. <laughs> sit down and watch it. Um, so we sat down, and the stream kept stopping, and my name, oh. my name, come out, and the stream stopped right then. Oh. I'm like, like oh. no, and it wasn't a stream. Oh, sorry, it was a stream that started. It just kept kept going. It didn't, it didn't skip to where where it was up to. It just kept, and then Kings Eleven put their paddle up, I think, to start it. And then my nerves were like, like yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm at least going. Cause it, I'm going to the IPL. Yeah, because there was a, a few years before when I ended up playing for Pune for a couple of years, or one year, they didn't didn't make it another one, that I'd had a great big bash and didn't get picked up in the auction. So all these things are running through your mind. Um, so anyway, bidding goes on, bidding goes on. And then there was basically silence in, in our house for about two minutes. And it was just like, well... Geez, that escalated quickly. Um, Anchorman. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's pretty surreal. A quick break from Finchie. Thanks to everyone who has got in touch, by the way, regarding personal Howie Game Style podcasts. So if you have someone close to you whose story you would like documented, send us an email at thehowiegames at hotmail.com. That's Howie, H-O-W-I-E, thehowiegames at hotmail.com. Now, these aren't for broadcast, but one-on-one chats that I will conduct with someone close to you whose history and story you want preserved for posterity, something for your family, friends and future generations to have as a keepsake. Alrighty, back to Aaron. It's 
it's an amazing thing and 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 all the guys that that, that play in the IPO and the guys I'm lucky enough to commentate like Ricky always says to you, mate, you've, you've got to go and work at the IPL yep. one year because he said it's like the AFL grand final every single match. Every day. What, what is it like being a hero to people in India? It's Well, it's pretty special, really. Yeah. Um, we know how much they love their cricket. Cricket's their religion, almost. Probably behind Sachin. Um, I think it goes religion, Sachin, then cricket. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just a, it's a surreal feeling when you're... When you turn up to an airport, when you arrive into Bangalore or Mumbai, and you turn up there, and there, there might be two or three thousand people at the airport because you're arriving. <laughs> it's like, what is going on here? Like, I've just got got off a plane from Melbourne. I'm not. I've just got my bags. Like, what, what are you doing here? So like, they know you're coming, and they're there to see you. Yeah, and, and it's and it's it's pretty amazing. The first time that I went over, I was a replacement player. I think Graham Smith was playing at Rajasthan and got a broken hand. So I went over as a 20-year-old. I had played about three or four games from for Victoria at that stage, and I think Warnie, Warnie was the captain and the coach. That's when it used to be on Channel 10. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Yeah, and it was brilliant. <laughs> I think he, he rang Sean Graff and said, look, we've got a replacement player. It's bugger all money. Just send one of your young kids over who, who you think will be good. And I think he was tossing up out of myself or Matty Wade. And I th- I've, and Graffy, from all reports, this is from Warney, he said, well, Finchie likes a beer, he likes a fag. Um, he's, he'll be good around the boys. He goes, all right, get him over then. It's not that he's a good batsman. No, no and I got <laughs> over there. Good for team morale. <laughs> well, I was never really going to play, to be honest. Um, and I ended up, we were out of the tournament, ended up playing the last game at Eden Gardens, which... That is one of the most amazing grounds to play at in Kolkata, but it was um, it was a pretty amazing feeling getting to go over and one hang out with the King Warney, um, Sean Tate, Adam Voges, Michael Lum. These guys who are good friends that started off by just a a kid from Victoria getting an opportunity because because he's a good bloke pretty much, um, <laughs> and hanging around, living the lifestyle of the IPL has become reasonably normal after nine years. Um, but then that was just mind-blowing. To see how the big dogs live um, in India was was extraordinary and, and then got picked up by Delhi for a couple of years. And, yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. It's it's quite surreal to, to think that that many people love watching you play. You, that you actually bring a lot of joy. And, and there's a lot of messages on Twitter that like we talked about earlier, I, I, I don't get a hell of a lot of abuse, um, which is nice. But there's just a lot of messages that you get randomly. Like I haven't played for a couple of weeks now, but, sir, love love watching you bat. You entertain me and my family. And it, and it actually makes you happy. It makes you smile when you sit down and go, that's oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't do anything life-changing. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a policeman, a fireman. People who genuinely save lives and, and make the world a better place. But to be able to bring happiness and joy to to other people just by by doing something that I'm not bad at and that I love doing is pretty special. What do they call you when they yell out to you in the street? Flinch. Flinch. <laughs> Flinch. 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 <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it's funny you say that because um, you are and have been the constant in the Big Bash. Um, I think you made the most runs in the Big Bash. And um, I know whenever we go to work... Um, 
I look at the teams and I think, oh, this is going to be a great night because Linney's playing or Maxie's playing or Finchie's playing. Like, a, a lot of people go to watch players. Um, and I know the effect that uh, you've had on my little kids. And how did Finchie go? How did Finchie go? The flip side of that, I've been at games. I remember a game that he had a couple of years ago. You just made a big score for Australia. And I reckon you got bowled. Second ball. Second ball. Sandu. Nip yeah. one back through my game. Yeah, yeah. Finchie's knocked him over. Unbelievable. Sandu gets the massive wicket of Aaron Finch. The crowd are silenced. And the superstar, the boy from Colac, is on the way back. Second ball in. Well, that's why. Might go home now, punter. And it was shocking the commentary box. And I remember looking. We're in a different position at Eddie Head. I could see all the kids in front of me. And I remember seeing, without a word of a lie, three kids crying. Because their whole night was coming to watch you bat. And they're in tears yeah. because you got out. Um, it's a bloody... You talked about people sending you messages. It's an amazing thing that kids can look up and have so much emotion invested in watching you, more than anyone else, I reckon, in the Big Bash play cricket. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It's, it's, it's funny how, like you said, and, and I hear you commentate on the Big Bash and say the little fellas... The little fellas not a, he, he wants to stay up until yeah until, until Finchie bats yeah so it's, it's quite um, it's quite special to hear that final ball the over high ball off the bat of Finch it's going to fall safely kids around the country breathe a sigh of relief growing up like I said we were talking about before in the country you never think that that's a po- that's a possibility and and there's probably at times when you you forget that how many how much Influence, a, yeah, and an impact you have on people Massive, just mate. by doing something that you love, and that's that's what the the big bash is about. Though it's about guys becoming closer with the fans, and we see the amount of work that the players do post game, getting around the boundary for. Mm. Sometimes they're out there for an hour, making sure that they're signing autographs, and that's just a small part that we can do to make the game grow and to inspire kids to to do it more. But like you said, we're role models, and and the fact that we can have such an influence on on a lot of people is pretty special. We're talking about kids. Uh, you listen to the show, so you know that uh, my kids pop up and ask questions. Yeah. And much excitement in the Howie House this morning <laughs> when they heard that Finchie was coming on the show. Um, you're going to get my eight-year-old, who was six when this show started. She's now eight. She's going to ask you a question here. This is from The Pickle, um, who's quite taken by you, Finchie, uh, much to her mother's amusement. All right, here we go. Hi, Finchie Pickle here. I used to go for the stars, but when I met you, I thought you were so nice, so I changed to the Renegades. Do you think it's okay to change teams? Well, it's very special. She had a Melbourne Stars hat. We Thanks, met Pickle. You at G. Yeah. And she said, Dad, he, he's. At the G or at Eddie Had? Uh, I reckon, oh, no, at Eddie Had. I reckon there was a game when you yeah, weren't commentating, Eddie, yeah, but you with, brought the kids down to watch. With KP. Yes. Yes, and they got a photo of you guys together, and yep. she walked off and said, Dad, can I get a Renegades hat? And I said, how come? She said, oh, Finchie, he's just, he looks so strong. I think <laughs> I'm going to go for the Renegades. So she wants to know if it's all right to swap teams. Oh, it is all right. <laughs> uh, I mean, as long as you're supporting the game. I mean, <laughs> That's the, it. Uh, sometimes we get, we get so wrapped up in wins and losses uh, and about people's performances doing doing well or failing, and and as long as you're supporting the game, it's okay to it's okay to change teams. Good. As well, a, I'll tell her that. I'll tell her that. As a as a youngster, things change. 
Well, she was. Pe- she people would... change teams, so there's no <laughs> players change teams, so there's no reason why supporters can't either. So I forked out on the stars kit, and it doesn't get a run anymore. That's hey, good. mate, um, a completely different topic, and um, it became a big part of your life when Philip Hughes passed away. Yep. Um, and, and I'll never forget when we first got the big bash. We had to interview. <coughs> I reckon I sat down at the at the Cricket Australia Day, and you did the nine stuff, and you had a chat with your coaches, and, and you filed through. And I reckon I interviewed about thirty five cricketers just for to bits to use in our first year big bash coverage. Um, and I reckon I'd met you before, and I hadn't met Philip Hughes. And he, he sat down, and we we had a chat. I thought he seems like a nice bloke. Um, and he came out, and then you saw him, and. Uh, you come and said g'day, and you'd just had your meeting with the coach, which I presume was Boof. Um, you won't remember this, and Philip said to you, oh, mate, what did the coach say? And you laughed, and you said, oh, what he always says, which was to lose weight, give up the fags, and take it easy on the piss. That was actually what you said to Philip, and, and I'll never forget it. It must have been Mickey Arthur then. It would have been Mickey Arthur. Yeah. It would have been Mickey Arthur, and I remember him just laughing uproariously he just thought it was the funniest thing um and i didn't really know either at that stage and i thought oh these blokes are pretty good mates obviously because if if finchie's rolling out exactly what the coach has said um and it made me laugh and i just remember his face just lit up and i thought it was the most hilarious thing it's what is it over three years ago now Mm. that that happened i don't even really know what to ask you about it except to make a statement that it was a a tough time for Australian cricket, and I know personally a tough time for you, mate. Yeah, it was. It was um, obviously an unbelievable tragedy, unbelievable accident um, <clears throat> that no one, no one had seen before. Um, and the thing was, it was such a great mate to everyone. Like we, we were very close, but he never said a bad word about anyone. He was. It was just everyone loved seeing him. He made everyone laugh. He made everyone smile. He, he was, people were better when he was around. Um, and it was, there's, there's not a day that goes past where you don't think about him and his family. At some point, you, you feel having having met his family quite a bit um, for Greg and Vinny the, and um, and his brother and sister. How how awful it is um, if someone's sick. If someone if someone has an illness that you can sort of build up to the to the day you can you can you almost you almost resign to the fact that this is about to happen and you can prepare yourself yeah you can prepare yourself and people around you for for what's inevitable um, but when it's a when it's so sudden a, a real sudden tragedy um, it was really difficult and, and is still really difficult to talk about. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things in the game that that was just tragedy. Would you rather not talk about it? No, it's okay. I'm 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 comfortable talking about it. It doesn't make it easier. No, um, but but to talk about it's fine. Um, I, I think. I, I, go on. I think the talking about it and and talking about memories of him make make you smile. There's some days that it still happens. Still happens now. I might be just driving in the car and think or see something and think of him. And some days I'll just piss myself laughing while I'm driving along by myself in the car and there's other days that you'll see a similar thing and, and you just well up a little bit um, yeah it's yeah it's difficult obviously but um, I think the way that the way that everyone handled it the way that everyone come together the whole nation 
um, and the cricket family, the players, the coaches, support staff, admin, everyone involved in Cricket Australia and Cricket New South Wales, um, where he obviously first started, then South Australian cricket. The way that everyone come together was was pretty special to see, and and the strength that everyone showed each other was was pretty special. That, that doesn't make it easier, but but it was um, it was special to see them them get behind each other and and help out. I don't know. I presume, being a shield game, that you were playing shield cricket at the same time. Yeah. Elsewhere. Yeah. So how did you find out what had happened? We walked in. We're playing WA at the MCG. Sean Marsh was pumping us everywhere and we walked in at T as we walked down the race at the MCG Greg Shippard um, was looking really distressed and and we sort of walked past him and said come on FIFA it's like we had a bad session we bowled shit but <laughs> but it's not it's not the end of the world and he, he said oh Hughes has been hit uh, ambulance sort of went on went on and we're all on our phones trying to find out what exactly is happening um, then we went out after tea I was, I went off the, basically went off the ground straight away after tea and just wanted to find out if he was okay as, as much as we possibly could about um, the situation and and then there was a lot of a lot of text flying around there was like some from Pup coming in saying this is this is what's happening and then someone else would would say something different so there was just a lot of confusion around the the scenario and the situation altogether so it was it was a really difficult time um myself and Matty Wade had decided to we're going to fly up to Sydney the following morning there's still another another day or two I can't remember what day of the game it was day or two or three even to go after that and we said look there's things more important than a game of shield cricket um and they said look just wait wait for a little while let's get all the information they suspended the rest of the the games around the country and, mm. and we flew up that night I think anyway um, it might have been the following morning flew up. I think we got a 6am flight up to Sydney um, to be with his family and him by his bedside um, at a really difficult time for everyone so you went to Phil's bedside yeah it was that was difficult can I ask you what you do in a situation like that? Well, it was, it was hard. It was hard to know what to do. I'd never been in a situation like that. Uh, Wadey had never been in a situation like that. Um, it, it was there was still a real slim hope at that stage that, that he could pull through, and, and obviously things. If he did pull through, things would never be the same for him again or his family. Um, but. When when we're sitting there, we're, we're sitting either side of him, holding his hand, um, just talking to him, and it was, it's quite funny that you just you're just waiting for him to to just sit up in the bed and go, hmm. "Cut your bastards! I knew you'd all come." Hmm. Like it just just something like that. Um, and then when it when that didn't happen, and we're we're probably in there for half an hour, forty five minutes. It was just sitting in there talking to him. Um, with no responses, like just holding his hand, waiting for, waiting for something, um, waiting for that might have been one percent chance, and and I think everyone who knows him or, or had met him thought that if there's one percent chance, he is going to be the one percent because he was that that mentally strong. He was, he was such a such a wonderful person to a lot of people that um, 
I think we all held out hope that he will be the one percent um, or two percent, whatever the small chances were. Could have been point one of a percent, but he was going to be that point one. Um, and then obviously later that day, uh, when they when they decided that it wasn't it wasn't possible, um, that was an incredibly difficult time. But it, but there was a lot of people there together, which which helped. There was there was a lot of grief. There was maybe. 60 people at the hospital a lot of cameras as well out the front which which I know they've got a job to do um, but they're also very respectful of, of everything that, that happened um, but sharing the sharing the the emotion being able to to be emotional um, in front of a lot of your peers and friends um, probably allowed it, allowed you to get it all out um, the first time and it was it was very difficult, obviously, but yeah, it was it was um, yeah tough. Does it did it at the time? Obviously, when traumatic events happen in our life, we all question certain things. That yeah. some of the positives to come out of tremendously bad negatives are. You look at where you are. Is there anything that it made you think about in relation to your sport or your life? Yeah, it was it was probably the fact that when I. When I go away, even when I'm when I'm in Melbourne, to be fair, I don't speak to my. I've never our family's never been. We're, we're a very close family, but we're not a. We we don't talk emotionally. We, it's mm. sort of. I could I could go, a month in India without speaking to, to my folks, via Skype or, FaceTime or whatever. Um, it probably made me realise about family and. And just don't leave things too long. If if you're not having a great day, give give them a call. If you're having a great day, give them a call. Just just to touch base. Just I think it just made me realise the importance of family and um, and things like as a as a professional cricketer, we get carried away at times. We live in a bubble. You think that the the world is revolving around your game of cricket that you're playing tomorrow afternoon in. Delhi or something like that mm. there's a lot more important things in a game of cricket um, family's the most important so do do a bit more a couple of things on cricket um, and thanks for being so open talking about that mate I know it's obviously something very very close to you you played MCC versus World 11 for want of a better term yep. you made 180 odd and you smacked them everywhere at Lords but you batted with Tendulkar, I think you opened with Tendulkar. Yeah, you batted also with Lara in that innings. Yep. What's it like? Dravid. Dravid as and well. The wall. And Chanderpaul. So there was. Well, they were all getting out. You stayed in. I think there was. I was around fifty thousand test runs, and I hadn't contributed any of them <laughs> <laughs> that, that I batted with. Uh, I, someone, will, someone will be able to tell you the exact number. Um, well, what's it like as a kid from Colac walking out to bat at Lords with Sachin Tendulkar? Are you talking to him? Yeah, I was. Yeah, it was great because we had a couple of days lead up. There was no training or anything, but the night before, sorry, two nights before, we had a, a massive dinner. So we're all at the Royal Garden Hotel in Kensington, there, London, um, standing up, just chatting. I'm standing there chatting with Brian Lara, Sachin Tendulkar, um, the great Saywag, Gilly. These guys are all. They're all just in the room, and guys that have watched play on TV and watched them tear attacks apart. You've watched. Shane Warne morally destroy mm. opposition teams with the ball 
And I'm standing there, standing there. I was having a glass of red with Brian. I'm like, <laughs> with Brian? What am I doing? Like, <laughs> and again, a bit like coming on this show with, with some of the legends of sport that you've had here. It's a bit embarrassing. I'm standing there going, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I've played a few good T20 knocks and a few one-day knocks that are not bad, but like, these are the some of the best players that have ever played our game. Like, and I'm, I'm standing here having a glass of red with Brian and Morley's, Morley's carrying on like a pork chop like he always does. And, and it's just annoying everyone. Um, it was really surreal. It was a, it was a pretty, special, pretty special moment. I'd, I'd never played at Lords either. Wow. Hmm. And what was Tendulkar like to bat with? Oh, brilliant. I, I went to get off the mark. The only thing I was thinking... Don't run Sachin out. You, <laughs> you, might, you might not get out of this ground. They wouldn't be happy with flinch, flinch if you got back to India if you run him out. Brett Lee had already broken Warney's hand. With a full bunger. With a full bunger. That's right. And I remember at the at the lunch break, we went and saw how Warney was and it was pretty obvious that it was broken hand. And he goes, Bingham, what the hell are you doing? He goes, oh, mate, it was a total accident. I slipped. I was just trying to bowl you a really fast Yorker. <laughs> He goes, mate, it's a 49th, or it's a 50th over of a one-day game celebrating Lords. Just bowl wide off the pitch. I'm not going to hit you. The umpire's not going to call it wide. I didn't even want to bat. So it was, it was, um, it was pretty. It was just a, an amazing, amazing day. Amazing two days really, because I had to duck off the night before the game. A few of the old times were sitting in the bar having a beer, uh, just talking cricket stories, which that is my favourite thing to do. Mm-hmm. If you ask Amy. There's times when there was a. I'll just tell a quick story. There was a time in London. She was going home the following day, and I went and caught up with Michael Divinuto, the coach. We're good friends. He was he was in. I was living in Vauxhall, mm-hmm. St George's Wharf, and there was a beautiful pub down the bottom. I said, "Oh, let's catch up for a beer in the afternoon." We caught up with George Bailey for lunch, actually. Then we went and had a couple of beers in the afternoon. We're sitting there talking cricket, and it got to about seven o'clock. And Amy goes, "Oh, I'm really hungry." I'm going home tomorrow. Do you want to just go get some dinner somewhere? I said, yeah, we'll go. We'll go in a minute. Then at ten o'clock, <laughs> at ten o'clock, she goes, right. I, I just can't take this anymore. You guys, look, we went for lunch with George Bailey and his and his wife Katie. She goes, you guys have talked cricket from midday today. <laughs> like a bit of Div is a, a mad Geelong fan, so there's a bit, bit, of footy. bit of footy in there. So it's probably nine hours and forty five minutes. This is this is in a cab from from where we went for lunch back to the back to have a beer. Nine and a half hours minimum of talking cricket, and she just she finally just snapped. <laughs> she goes, "I'm done." I said, "What do you mean you're done? Like we 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 still haven't covered everything here." She goes, "Right, I'm going to bed." And it's only just just up the elevator, and she goes, "I got back in about an hour later." She goes, "What have you been doing?" I said been talking cricket the whole time she goes did you get my message i need some like i need some dinner i said oh didn't get it <laughs> so i was i was popular she was flying home the next day <laughs> you were talking cricket and, but that is my favorite thing to do apart from apart from playing talking cricket talking sport over a coffee over a beer just any sport i'll i'll have a crack at i don't i love love watching car racing I don't know anything about it but I love watching I, at the Grand Prix the other day I didn't go on the Sunday I went on the thir- the Friday the practice session just hearing people talk about that I was fascinated mm. 
rugby. I'm not a massive follower of rugby, but when you I flick on the NRL 360 show, I just I love people You're talking in. about about the game, about any game, and and it's not the first time, and it won't be the last time that Amy's Amy's walked away and just shaking her head, going, "You are you are on a different planet." And then you get to walk out and bat with a bloke like Sachin Tendulkar. Unbelievable, yeah, a guy that we've we've all watched and admired for for 20 years when he was playing at the highest level let alone the IPLs and and as a kid and I mean it, it was pretty surreal and then for Brian Lara to walk out at three yeah how cool is this this is like up there with one of the coolest cricketers ever yeah and coolest blokes he's he's the guy that when he walks into the room you sense that he's coming right. just for no other reason than it's Brian Charles he's just the coolest bloke along with Viv and another cricketer told me, and you can put this room in bed or not, another cricketer told me that was at that event that when you finished and you made 180-odd, that a couple of those blokes you've just mentioned, one was Tendulkar, came up and asked you to sign their shirt. Is that a true story? Uh, yeah, but it wasn't just me. There was, there was a lot of shirt signing going on. Okay. Um, we actually got this beautiful, beautiful, big, thick book um, about the history of Lords, and Sachin wrote a message. I said, "Oh, Sachin, would you mind signing it for me?" And he actually wrote a beautiful message. This was after the game. Saying, um, "Don't know. N- I haven't looked at it." Right. So, m- maybe it's not a beautiful message. Right. But, but I, I was something about other people have read it. Um, Where's the book? At home. Right. I just haven't. I don't really want to read it. Right. Yeah. I know it's there. Uh, maybe I will read it, but I might go home and read it now. Read it, Finchie. Other people have read it and said it was it's a great message. Um, so maybe I will. You need to read it and text me. Okay. And then I can put on the end of the podcast what the message is. Okay. Hey, as well as that, and you've been great with your time, and I need to get to a footy game as well, um, you're a World Cup winner. Yep. Which is very cool. Yeah. On your home ground in the MCG. Yep. I've never heard anything like it at the MCG, and I've been there a lot for sport. When Stark got McCullum. Yeah, that's the loudest thing I've ever heard at a sporting event. Is it? Yeah, without doubt. Wow. That was that was the the coolest day as a cricketer. It was it was unbelievable. I got my wedding coming up, so I'm sure that that'll that, that'll take oh, World Cup final. World, World, big Cup, thing, mate. World Cup final at the G in front of ninety three thousand against the Kiwis. Against the Kiwis, um, who played some amazing cricket. Phenomenal um, to get there, and so would we. we we'd, we'd played some great cricket, probably for a couple of years leading up to it. So the thing that I remember about it is the there was never any doubt from a single player that we weren't going to win, and and that that sounds really arrogant, but it, but it's not. It was actually it was never spoken about that we're going to win, but there was there was just we just had a real confidence within each other that if I if I didn't do my job properly, Davey would. Davey would do his and Smithy would do his and what I would do his and if all all of us didn't, we still had Maxwell and um, and Pup to pick up the pieces. So so you look down the batting lineup and we just had real confidence in each other with the bowlers. Mitchell Stark was in unbelievable form. You go, but if he doesn't get it right with the new ball, we know Josh Hazelwood will. We know that Mitchell Johnson will. We know that Maxi will chip in with a wicket and, and or do something freakish in the field. So uh, sorry, it wasn't so much the fact that we never doubted that we were going to win. It was just that. We had such confidence that we knew if we played if we played well, that we were 
we're a fair chance we're going to win and, and to beat India on a wicket that probably suited them more at the SCG in the semi-final. Where you made 81? 81 off about 3,000 balls. 81's 81, mate. I was, uh, I was scratching around. Steve Smith got an amazing 100 at the other end off about 80 balls and made me look even more foolish. But um, to beat them on conditions that probably suited them more, a dry, slow, spinning wicket was really, really pleasing. But to beat New Zealand after they'd given us a... It ended up being a really close game Amazing in in New, game. in New Zealand, one of the greatest games I've ever been a part of. But they, to be fair, they touched us up for best part of 95% of that game. They did. Starkey got it right for for two overs with the ball and nearly nearly single-handedly won the won the game for us. But they played some amazing cricket. They're, they're such a great side. They're, they're great blokes too. And you can see the way that they play. Uh, and the way they're led. Yeah. They're led by McCarthy. Under, under Baz's leadership, he was... So cool, so calm, mm. uh, and he's just he's like that in everyday life. Nothing really phases him. He just goes with the flow. Uh, and now under Kane Williamson, who's a totally different type of leader, but has the exact same calmness. Everything he does is very in control. Uh, and I've had the pleasure of playing with him for a couple of years at Yorkshire uh, in county cricket, and just great guys. They're all they're all just ripping blokes that just out there having a crack and. Same as same as what we do. They're, they're just they're just pretty good. So, what was it like when the final ball had been bowled and you realised, wow, I've just won a World Cup at home? Well, I was it was amazing. To be fair, uh, that didn't really. I think from from a fair way out, it was pretty obvious that mm. we we're going to win. Um, I think when when we got to within fifty. I think that was time when we were still only one down at the time. So I think it was time. Or it might have been two. That that was time when you when you're going. We really believe we've, we're going to do this. So it had a bit of time to sink in, but it never does sink in. If that mm. makes any sense, it makes sense in my head, but it's it's not. Um, and you you're almost just waiting. You're like, come on, let's just get it done. Let it. Let's get it done. And then gets to 40, gets to 30, gets to 20 and we're still two down you go that's it surely, surely nothing can happen here Mitchell Stark's playing for us (laughs) they they had Trent Bolt and Tim Sowley who who were in amazing form at the time as well but the sting had gone out of the game by then, the the ball wasn't swinging Um, so it was was really, we had a lot of time to prepare ourselves for it Um, and it it was an amazing moment and one thing that gets me is that we're doing the lap of lap of honour, and and a UK journalist stopped me and said, "Oh, how's it feel?" I said, "Oh, it's amazing." He goes, "But how's it feel to get a duck in the World Cup final?" Oh. I said, "Mate, I'll get a duck every day of the week if I can feel this again." Oh, jeez. Oh. And I'm not sure of his name. I've seen him a few times. I could I could pick him out of a lineup. Oh, I bet I, you could. And and I thought that's such a random question that's to just ask. A negative question. Yeah, I said, I said, "Mate, I would get a duck every day of the week if this is what it feels like." Celebrations. I remember seeing the pictures, and I remember seeing you guys with a photo with the front page of the Herald Sun, all gathered around the paper with your photo. Uh, I guess it was four o'clock the next morning, and the photo on the front of the paper was you guys holding up the World Cup. And I think Buff sent out a photo of you guys all together. I wasn't there then, right? You I, were, I was in bed by then, right? You, yeah. You'd shut down by then. As celebrations, actually, uh, yeah, I might, I might have been in bed. We few of us went to. Well, everyone went to a nightclub for a little bit. All the girls were there, mm. um, and then everyone filtered back to the hotel. But in the time that we were there, 
Amy had put her bag down. Wallet's gone missing out of, oh. her, out of her bag. So then, as you can imagine, everything, all hell breaks loose. Where's no my doubt. wallet? No um, doubt. So I was time for bed, though, no, no doubt. Did you end up during those celebrations on stage somewhere singing? Not on stage. Who have you got this mail from? Oh, it just doesn't matter who I've got the mail from. I heard there was... There might be a video of it as well. I haven't seen the video. And you won't. Right. Surely. So the next day we had we went to um, Fed Square for a public public appearance, as as you do, um, which was really good. Midday we're there mm. showing off the cup, basically, signing autographs. And that, that was brilliant. And then from there, Cricket Australia had organised us to go to the Emerson. So we had the whole rooftop. Um, they'd closed it down for us we can, on a Monday afternoon. It's not hard to <laughs> close down the place. But all, it was great because all the all the families were there, all the Cricket Australia staff, um, some ex-players were all there. And it was, and it was just a great, great day. Um, just sitting around talking to, to families, everyone, everyone just having a, a brilliant time. There's a little acoustic duo, a female singer, a male on the guitar. And they started the first the first tune of Tracy Chapman Fast Car. Fast Car? And, and I'd had a few by this stage. No doubt. And I just walked straight up. I said, no, no, this is my song. This, <laughs> this is a song that I sing when I'm at... Like, if, if I have to sing one song ever, that's this one. And I got up there... He goes, yeah, I'll, I'll just play along. You just start singing whenever. And I just gassed it. <laughs> I forgot the opening line. I've, I've sung this song a million times and I forgot the opening line. I've, I've, I've just started putting random choruses in where they're not meant to be, choruses where there's meant to be verses. And, and I wasn't booed off the stage, but I was encouraged after I was... I think it was Shane Watson was standing near me and he goes, mate... Give it a break. Who can sing and play the yeah, guitar? Yeah, he can. He can. So, but you know what? I had a crack at it. That's all. And, and I won't. And I won't do it again. Hey, Finchie, I got one final question for you. Actually, and one from uh, my young fellow who wants to finish off the podcast because he's got a very important question for all the kids out there. That and we're blessed. A lot of kids and families listen to this show. What's the one bit of advice you could give them about their sport? And that's a broad question, and we don't have long. Uh, one bit of advice would be do everything. Just give everything a go. Whether if it's cricket, have a bat, have a bowl, wicket keep, field at the slips. Do just do whatever you want, or do whatever you do whatever you can. If it's footy, play in every position, run around, just enjoy it. I think, particularly as a kid, you don't know if you're good at things. You don't know if you like them until you do them. So have a go at everything. Whether you're a young boy or young girl teenager I think just with even with life just give everything a go just you hear about people who go through a stage where they just they don't say no to anything and they say it's the best time of their life um well the advice that you gave to the hyphen is just just come back it is um don't say no just give everything a go whether it's sport whether it's life give it a go just have fun embrace every challenge if in doubt ask someone because someone else will have the answers if you don't. I like that advice. This question. I have been asked this question by the big penguin, Mac, who was just enamoured with you when we spent a day together at a backyard cricket event for Triple M and just followed you around. 
Dad, what's Finchie going to eat? Because I want to eat what he's eating in the barbecue. Dad, <laughs> where's Finchie going to feel? Because I'm going to feel where he's going to feel. <laughs> we saw this happen in Geelong. Must have been a Renegades warm-up match. He has asked me this question randomly once a week since it happened. So he would have asked me this question 20 times. I'm excited that there's finally going to be an answer because I've had enough of the question. Here we go. Hi, Finchie, Big Penguin here. We saw you break a car window in Geelong with a big six. Did you have to pay for it? (laughs) That's brilliant, Penguin. The amount of times... He has asked me whether you had to pay for breaking that bloke's window at Geelong. No, I didn't. Oh, there I, you go. I, uh, I think, not sure whether the Geelong Cricket Club or the Cadinia <laughs> Park or the Renegades Insurance covered it, but I didn't have to pay for it, luckily. It was um, just one of those things. I hit a, got one out of the middle and there was a car parked a bit too close. The amount of times he's asked me that. Now, we're going to finish this. Um, I always say thank you, but you are the first recipient. It's certainly very special for you. You are the first recipient of something very, very special of people appearing now on the Howie Games. Now, you were made up by MJ, our producer. You can put this where you want. I think your bat in the IPL would be very, very good as far as the Howie Games goes. But here is a Howie Games bumper sticker. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Very good. You can put it on your car if you want. I'll put it on my car. But if you want to and you want to whack it on the back of your bat uh, just next to your new balance sponsorship it's a bit big for the back of the bat <laughs> but it'd get good exposure guru yeah that might cost me a bit of <laughs> bit in fines if it but imagine what it would do to our downloads I'd go I'm, to the car. I'm prepared to take the risk no no don't take the risk back of the car for yeah. you Finchie this will go on the back of the car thank you're you you're a star mate thanks for coming on um, you don't suffer in any way shape or form to the other people we've had on the show it's great to have a chat with you um, and I know how much people love watching you play cricket mate so to hear about what it means to you and about a few other things along the way it's been a treat for me mate thank you very much for having me Aaron Finch one of the world's nicest fellas thanks to Finchie for coming on the show and good luck to him and Amy with their upcoming wedding by the way, Sash and Tendulkar's message in the book Finchie talked about said to Aaron, enjoy the game. You will have a wonderful career. From Sashin, nice. Thanks to MJ, the world's best producer, for making Series 3 happen. How do you think you went, mate? Uh, one of my best seasons yet, I think. <laughs> oh, one of your best seasons. <laughs> Even if I had to get Lewis Hamilton on? It was, I did the groundwork. Oh, you did. The groundwork was all You mine. did absolutely nothing on getting the hammer on. <laughs> all right, also thanks to Grant Tothill and Grant Blackley at Podcast One and Southern Cross Stereo for backing the show, and to Darcy Thompson came on board for Series 3 just for all his technical help. Thanks, of course, to The Pickle and The Big Penguin for their insightful, hard-hitting questions, and to Erica for her support encouragement and ideas and for simply being the best and thanks to all you guys for listening and for spreading the word to every single one of you thanks for making the show what it is until next time peace and love and we can do it if we try 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 if we try 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 if we try 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 Listener.